Who's ready for the word today? Okay, another little deal we're going to get settled before we start 2019. Okay. So, it is a good thing for a preacher when his congregation is active and engaged in the message. And I'm just going to admit that. I'm going to acknowledge, I've evaluated this for, for I've been preaching in the pulpit uh, pretty consistently since 2013, been in full-time ministry since 2011. And uh, I've evaluated, probably to a fault, every message that I've ever preached. I promise you I am the, my greatest critic, okay? Um, and I've evaluated like the messages where, man, I felt like it, you know, this, was, this really went well, or I felt like you know, this is what God was leading me. And, and sometimes you pray messages and you just preach messages and you're like, man, it just was a flop, you know? It just didn't go anywhere that I felt like it was supposed to go. And I'm looking at all the similarities and what can I connect the dots with? And, and I know that one of the things that seems to really add to a service, that really empowers, I think, the word is when everybody is engaged. And I don't mean like in a fake way, right? I mean in an authentic, genuine way, engage, because it's kind of like people's faith are coming together. It's like we're joining together, faith in the word, the words being, the seeds being cast and it's being received and there's a response to that. So when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and I know he does because I hear all of the people that talk to me after services saying how the message reached them or what it meant to them or how I couldn't have known what they were going through and it, it always blows me away. So when you are hearing the word of God and the Holy Spirit is witnessing to you, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit in us bears witness with our spirit. So there's a quickening when revelation occurs. You get that, right? That's how God un unveils his word. Revelation is an unveiling. So when that happens, when there is a revelation, when there's a witness in your spirit, it's perfectly appropriate to shout amen perfectly appropriate to say right on or whatever it is not some corny fake manufactured response but I mean like an authentic overflow a genuine response to the word it's good to respond to the word the word can hit us and reach us where we are but it's good to respond to it some way whether it's physical or verbal or whatever it is and so I'm just letting you know that it's okay to do that, okay? And, and, and I'm just asking as we go into 2019 that we will be active and engaged in our services, that we will be uh, excited and rejoicing as we are receiving the good word that God has given us. When it's getting in there, let us know it. Is that, we got a deal? All right. So open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 4. The book of Matthew chapter 4. And so what I want to attempt to do today uh, is I want to help us to make sure that our rudder is set right going into 2019. I know that this is the most popular time of year for people to set resolutions, goals, Things are going to change, things that they want to do more of, and I think that that is wonderful. Uh, I've learned that before we take off down a direction, 
before we head into an area that it is very important that our priorities are set properly first, that the first things are in the first position, that the right things are right, and that our rudder is in place so that we don't take off and something is off about the direction we're aimed in in the beginning, and then we move down this direction and end up kind of far away from where we wanted to go all along. Anybody ever, you got kids and you know, you're putting them in the car seat, right, Jess? And I mean, you know, I don't know why it's such a fight. I mean, why? Like, they, they want to do it themselves, but they can't do it right. And then, you know, the sister wants to do it, and then they're fighting, and it's like, you just got to stop the car and get out and, you know, go do it. And so we get them all snug, and gee, I'm going to tighten that belt up. You're not getting out of your arms. Get out of there. Why? How? Like, all this crazy stuff. And they're, they're locked in there, baby. I mean, they're, they're snug, and they're not going anywhere because you want them to be safe, right? And, you're so, and then you take off down the road. And the, the seatbelts that they're in, everything's all good and snug, and they're safe. And then, you know, mom takes a turn a little fast, and then the car seat just goes flying. <laughs> down in the seat, and the kid's laying there screaming. and Nobody else have that ever happened? Okay, good. All right. I mean, it's happened more than once. So, <laughs> and the reason is, is because the main seat belt wasn't even buckled. I don't know how the thing got unbuckled. I don't know. But somehow we had everything all straight, everything snug, all the little belts in place. But the main belt that actually is the one that holds them there wasn't even buckled up. It's like all that effort didn't even matter anymore. Because as soon as mom, and you know, mom, she likes to pretend she's a NASCAR driver, and she likes to take those back roads, you know, and, and, and she thinks our kids just have motion sickness. I'm like, babe, no. It's, <laughs> and then they go flying, and you're like, oh, okay. We just, so now we, we've, we're trained ourselves that like whenever we get them all set, like the, we look and make sure the main belt is secure and tight. Because if that first thing isn't in place, all that other stuff doesn't even matter anymore, right? So we got to get our rudder right. If we're going to head into 2019, we're making resolutions, we're praying for God to give us, you know, revelation about the direction for our lives, and I think that that's great. We need to seek that. We got to make sure that we have the right things in the right place before we head out. Agreed? So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 4. We got this very famous scene that I want to start in, and what I'm going to do is I want to look at three different scenes today from the Apostle Peter's life. Three different scenes throughout a several year period of time that when we examine all of them, I believe that they kind of tell us one big story, one big message that I pray God will use to speak to you today to empower you and help you to set out into 2019 in the right way and down the right direction, having first things first. So we're going to look at when Jesus calls Peter and some of the other apostles to follow him for the first time. So in verse 18 of chapter 4, the book of Matthew, we read, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and then Andrew his brother, and they were casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. 
And then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Let's pray one more time. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we're asking you to speak today to us. We're asking for your Holy Spirit to be powerfully active in this, in this service and, and in the delivery of this word today. I ask God you just anoint me uh, to preach this message that I believe is a life-changing message that we, we all need to hear as we head into 2019. We need you to speak to us today, God. We don't need a word from man. We need a word from you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we have this this famous scene, we've all probably heard this before, probably read this many times, heard it preached a bunch of times. It's the scene where Jesus is getting ready to begin his ministry, and he comes and he calls his first few disciples. And we know that Peter and his brother Andrew and James and John, that they were fishermen. They made their living casting nets into the sea and bringing in fish and then taking it and selling it and that that's how they were making their livelihood and Jesus is coming to them and he's saying this day saying follow me and I'll make you fishers of men I, I love how Jesus first of all when he calls us into a life of purpose that he immediately begins to elevate the position of our calling he immediately begins to elevate uh, the, the meaning behind where we are and what things are all about. They were fishermen, but now all of a sudden they're going to become fishers of men. It's just like this expanded title, if you will, to where they were already at before. Much like Abraham. You know, Abram was his name initially, his birth name, which means an exalted father. Very honorable name, but when God called him into this life of purpose and destiny, he said, I'm going to seal this covenant with you by changing your name. This can be part of how we're going to do that. You're no longer going to be Abram, you're going to be Abraham. And Abraham actually means the father of many nations. So he's exalted father already, and God just called him to a higher level. He's calling all of us to higher places all the time. It's just a matter of us stepping into and receiving what he's calling us up to. And so he says, come with me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now they had been using these nets. This was their tool, if you will, for their trade. And they're these giant nets. They're like drag nets. They're very thick, very strong. They had to be able to pull in, you know, hundreds, if I don't even know how many pounds, hundreds for sure, pounds of fish uh, as they dropped them down to the bottom and then they would pull them up and they would gather these fish in and pull them into the boat. And this, this was the tool of their, of their trade. And it says, when Jesus called them and said, come and follow me, come down the direction, the, plat, the path, the plan that I am carving out for your life, it says that they dropped or left their nets immediately, they laid them down. This is very significant part of the story because what we, what we see, what this is telling us, is that they recognized that in stepping into the life 
that Jesus was calling them into, that they were going to have to lay down the control of the life that they had known before. They were going to have to give up, let go of this form of security, this form of comfort, structure, this, this thing that they had that was probably helping them feel like li- their life was together, things were in place, they could, they could take care of day-to-day operations because they knew how to use this net, and this was, the, this was the source for them, and so they let their nets go, they laid them down in order to follow Jesus and follow Him fully with their heart. Can I suggest to you something? That we too, when we decide we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to do it all the way, we're going to have to lay down whatever security or comfort we may have had from a life that we had known before in order to lay hold of something greater. In fact, Jesus even said some other things later on. He said it like this. He said, if you want to gain your life, then you actually have to lose your life. That's one of those things you got to kind of think about for a second. doesn't seem to really make sense. It's counterintuitive, you know. But a lot of what Jesus said is like that because it's spiritual, not natural. And he said, you got to lay down your life in order to gain it, meaning you got to let go. You got to let loose. You got to take your hands off and not cling to, not hold on to the life as you knew it, the old life, the life in the world so that your hands are freed up, that you can actually lay hold of, gain, receive the full abundance of the life that I've actually prepared you for. And so they let these nets go. They laid them down that they would be able to follow Jesus fully. And I think sometimes when people respond to an invitation to follow Christ, you know, they give their heart to him. They, they, they trust that Jesus is who he said he was, and they love the idea of a better life, but, but somehow when we start to follow him, uh, it's like maybe we actually kind of still hold on to our net. It, it's, it's still kind of like over the shoulder, maybe in the back pocket, in the cargo bag, you know, and, and we're going to carry that thing with us because there's something about being able to go back to a security that we knew, being able to kind of be in control and feel like we're in control and things are still okay, it's just we're not really ready to fully let go of and, and set aside. It actually also means, if you study it, to put to death, to sever, to cut loose. And so we kind of we carry this net along. And look, where God is calling us to are places that we're going to go that we have to be unencumbered by the weight of past baggage and past things if we're going to travel light and get to the places he's leading us to. I mean, I think about that big heavy net and I think, man, you know, Peter, he was one of the guys that actually got to go up on the mountain with Jesus and see the transfiguration when Jesus' face changed and shone and it was glowing and they saw part of the glory of God. It was an, a once-in-a-lifetime moment, an experience. None of the other, other than Peter and the two other apostles, James and John, that were there, nobody else ever saw that. And I wonder, man, that was up on the top of the mountain. Like, if Peter was dragging this big net around, man, he probably wouldn't have been able to get up there to experience that. 
You know, I mean, what if he'd have been like, hey, guys, it's cool. I, I got this net. I'm going to hang on to it. I just wait at the bottom of the mountain. You guys go on this one without me. He would have missed out if he was still carrying and dragging that thing along. So we see this scene. Jesus calls him, and the apostles, they respond well. They lay down their nets, and they embark upon the journey of a lifetime. They're going to walk with Jesus day to day, and they're going to be involved in the ministry that the Son of God came to the earth to fulfill. Wow, is that amazing. And they do this for several years. They're following Jesus. They're walking with him. They're learning from him. They're hearing his sayings that would continue to be the words that would bring life for all of men for all of eternity. And they're there firsthand. And they're following him. Their nets are in the past. They're still laying back there at the boat docks where they dropped them when they first heard the call. But we move along in the life of Peter and in this story. And we fast forward a couple of years down the road and we see another scene that unfolds. And we see a situation for Peter that I'm going to suggest to you might actually not be so different than what many of us have been through or possibly even are going through right now. We see this famous scene in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's Jesus' final hour. And he's praying and he's agonizing. And it says that while they're in the garden, that the soldiers came because Judas had betrayed Jesus. And they showed up in the garden and they're there to arrest Jesus. Let's actually take a look at this. I'm gonna, this is in all the Gospels, but we're going to read the first story, uh, this one out of John chapter 18. And this is uh, verse 1. It says, So Jesus uh, had spoken the words. He went out with the disciples over the brook Kidron, and there was a garden there which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus had often met there with his disciples. And then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Who are you seeking? And they answered him and said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am. It says here in the text, I am he. But in the original translation, it's I am. Remember how God responded to Moses in the wilderness at the burning bush? He said, I am. He's announcing that he is God here is what he's doing. He says, I am. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. And when he said to them, I am, get this, they drew back and fell to the ground the words of Jesus are so powerful that when he announces I am the soldiers are knocked off of their feet and they hit the ground they're stunned they're probably getting up and picking up their weapons a little disheveled not really having any idea what the heck just happened here we just got smoked and the dude just said I am you sure we got the right guy I mean (laughs) 
may want to rethink this. He said, I am. So they get up, and then he said again, who do you say that I am? Now, the second time, they had to be thinking, oh, we ain't doing this again. (laughs) Uh -uh. Anyway, but they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he answered, I told you that I'm he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these others go and go their way. And the same was fulfilled, that he, which he spoke, of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. And then here's the famous scene of Peter, where he comes into this story. And Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it out and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And then Jesus said to Peter, put your sword in your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my Father has given me? Wow. Peter takes action. You know, things are getting ready to go down. He doesn't like what's happening. He doesn't like the way this this thing is unfolding. So he's going to take matters into his own hands. It's not that taking action is, is, is wrong or is being chastised here. It's that... Peter's taking action that Peter's all about. And he's actually taking action that conflicts with what Jesus is about. With what Jesus' plan is all about. Jesus has to stop Peter. And he has to let him know, Peter, Peter, what are you doing? What, what, What are you doing with the sword, Peter? Put it away. I got this, Peter. He has to remind Peter, 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 this isn't your fight. This is my fight, Peter. Can I, can I just tell you something, brothers and sisters? Can I just remind you of something? This ain't your fight either. This ain't your fight. God's got this thing. It's his fight, and he's in control. You know, we, we look at this and we say, oh, Peter. But you know what? I think we're all a, a lot like Peter, really. I think we really are, if we're honest. Peter's just going to have to do something about the situation, and, and Jesus has to remind him, Peter, put the sword away. I, I, I'm not trying to follow you, Peter. You're supposed to follow me. <laughs> what, what are you doing? What are you doing? But, you know, Peter, I, I mean, I get it, though. I understand. I really do where Peter's coming from. Because up until this point, they've been on this great adventure, you know, I mean, Jesus called them into this life of purpose and adventure. And they had, they, had a, they had a great thing going. And they were seeing people healed. They were seeing the good news of the gospel preached. I mean, they were living every day with Jesus. Waking up, going to bed with Him, eating with Him, hearing from Him around campfires. It was the life, baby. I mean, they were at the center of what God was doing on the earth. I get it that that's something that you want to hang on to. I get it that you, if you feel like that's starting to slip away from you and and the plan that God has, you don't quite understand what's really going on anymore, that that might be something that you're going to become really, uh, I need to do whatever I got to do to force my hand to the situation because I don't understand what's happening anymore. And I think that Peter, he was thinking about these things. I think that he was probably aware. Jesus like, you know, I know, I know that you said, God, like, you got to go. And I know you said it's better for us that you got to go. But, but I don't like it, Jesus. 
I don't like it anymore. I don't want it to change. I like the life that we're living, Jesus. I, 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 can, I, I get where things are going, and I don't understand where it's going right now. It says that whenever he pulled the sword out, that he actually drew the sword that he had. <laughs> you know what that means? It means he brought the sword into the garden. It was with him. I mean, he didn't go look in a bush and find a sword. He had it on his side. He had the sheath. Peter was thinking about a plan B. Peter was thinking about, man, I, if things don't go the way that they need to go, I gotta, I'm, I'm ready to do what I got to do to make sure that I put my hand to this situation. So they're in the garden and Jesus' plan, let me remind you, even though he's agonizing, is unfolding perfectly. In fact, Jesus even told Peter, he said, Peter, you got the sword. I mean, he, he's not even good with it. He cut the guy's ear off. I'm pretty sure he was aiming for his head. You know, I mean, what is this? Oh, phew, cut his ear. Like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, I think Peter just doesn't even know how to wield the thing. And Jesus is like, Peter, you're going to hurt somebody or yourself with that thing. Just put it away. And he, I mean, but he's like, his plan, Jesus' plan is unfolding perfectly. And Peter doesn't understand it all, but that's the point. <laughs> that's the point. He has to remind him, Peter, if I, if I wanted to, this is in another account, in another gospel, he said, Peter, if I wanted to, could I not call down 12 legions of angels and, and they would deliver me from this situation? P Peter, this is happening that the, gospel, that the that scriptures might be fulfilled. Should I not drink this cup which my father has given to me? He's saying, Peter, I'm in control. In fact, he's never not in control. We may not, we may need to remind ourselves of that, but God is never not in control. We really aren't ever in control. <laughs> but we think we are. And we'll try to put our hand to the situation to ensure that we're going we're gonna to see this thing through. He says, I'll call down 12 legions of angels. You know, a legion in Roman infantry was 6,000. That's 72,000 angels. We can't be certain of this. This is just conjecture on my part. But when it says when Jesus was in the garden praying that an angel came and strengthened him. An angel. I, I just wonder if in the part of that strengthening that Jesus saw all those 72,000 angels just standing around ready to bid his command. And Jesus said, I could do whatever I wanted here, Peter. I'm allowing this to happen. Put your sword away. And so Peter, this guy that had laid down his net year, a couple years ago to follow Jesus, he laid it down, baby. He cut his old life loose. He let it go. And he said, I'm going to lay hold of what you have for me. His net was still laying back there. He, he didn't pick his net back up and go back to the way he was living before. But, but somewhere along the line in this journey of God's big plan that Peter's involved in, he may have laid down his net, but somewhere along the line, he picked up a sword. He picked up a sword. Let me ask you something. Have you, have you laid down your net and let go of the old life but somewhere along the line, maybe, perhaps, you might have picked up a sword. Yeah, I'm just 
being very honest with you, I, I, I think there's times whenever we're doing things in the church and working in ministry and, you know, I, things need to grow and things got to happen and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and then it's kind of like I need to step back and I remember like, oh my gosh, I got a sword in my hand. Holy cow, where did that come from? Huh, I, I'm, I'm trying to do this on my own all of a sudden. When, when did this happen? Because, you know, God, I don't understand right now what you're doing, and I, I don't see it clearly. Uh, I say that I trust you, but really, I got a sword in my hand. And so Peter does this deal where Jesus is there. Everything's unfolding well, but Peter doesn't like the way it's going because his life's getting ready to change in a way that he thinks is not good for him. And he draws his lightsaber. <laughs> and he <laughs> tries to hit his head and he cuts off an ear. And I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to put yourself in this situation, in your life. And I want you to think about Peter with this sword. Jesus, I'm going to take care of this, Jesus. I don't know what you're doing. I'm not sure what's going on, and I don't like the way it's happening, so I'm going to use this sword, Jesus. I'm going to, Peter, Peter, what are you doing? Peter, Peter. Jesus, I know you're saying you got this thing, but I don't see how you got this thing, Jesus, and I don't want you to go, Jesus. I don't want you to go. It's been good. I want to keep hanging on. I, no, Jesus, no, Jesus, I got to do this. I got to do this. Je Peter, Peter. Jesus. Okay. And then Jesus, his perfect plan just continues to unfold from there. And Peter's a mess. Peter's a mess. We know that Peter goes on and he ends up forsaking Jesus three times that same night, the Bible tells us. And Peter was so confident just a little bit ago. Jesus was saying, you know, you guys are all going to be tested and you're going you're gonna to refuse me or you're going to uh, just disown me. And Peter says, no, Lord, no, not me. Not me. I'm not, e even if everyone else denies you, Lord, not me. I'll die for you. Jesus says, Peter, I've been praying for you, Peter. You see, Satan has asked me for you. He wants to sift you like wheat, Peter. And I prayed that your faith would be strengthened and would not fail. And Peter, when you return to me, see, Jesus saw all this ahead of time. When you come back to me, Peter, when you realize that you never should have picked up that sword, and when you get back to following me and trusting me, Peter, then I'm going to use you mightily. And Peter's like, no, I'm never going to do that. And Peter denies him three times. One of the most heart-piercing parts in the whole Bible for me it says in the time that Peter was denying Jesus it says that the Lord turned he must have been captured in chains being beaten whatever it says the Lord turned and looked at Peter when he denied him he saw the eyes of Jesus but God had a plan to restore Peter hallelujah you see folks we, we're all Peter really <laughs> we really are we all 
probably have a sword somewhere along the way that we've picked up. Maybe it's even in our back pocket right now, just in case. We don't have our hand on it, but it's there, just in case we need it. If this whole business about trusting God and His plan and knowing that He's in control, and if I'm going to follow Him, I'm going to really have to follow Him, and I'm, I'm going to never be able to, to pick up a sword. It sounds great. <laughs> I mean, it does. In theory, it makes sense. But when it's time to be in a garden and, and things are unraveling and changing so fast that your head is spinning... And you don't know what to do, and that's the point. You can't know what to do. You just got to trust Jesus because he knows what to do and let him lead the way. Are we going to keep our hand off our sword? Are we going to leave that thing back there where we should have never picked it up to begin with? I want to talk about Malchus for just a second. Poor old Malchus. I mean... It says that he is the servant of the high priest. So he's not a soldier. He's likely not trained in weaponry or warfare. Most logical scenario is that the high priest sent Malchus along to observe and be an eyewitness to the situation so he could come back and report to the high priest what had happened and how this all unfolded. I mean, he, he might have been carrying a pen and a piece of paper. I don't think he was carrying any weapons. And so Peter, you know, he whips out his sword, and the guy that he gets is poor old Malchus, and he cuts off his ear. And, you know, when things aren't going well, when things are unraveling, we don't see the outcome, we don't know, and, and then we start to abandon trusting Jesus, it, it's real easy to start identifying other enemies that really aren't our enemies. And, and old Malchus, I think that, you know, we have a tendency sometimes to make Malchuses out of other people in other situations that really it's not about to begin with. You know, maybe it's, well, yeah, I'm, I've, moved, no, I've moved away from really trusting God. I've picked up my sword, and so now I'm going it, to, it, it's this person that's messing things up. If it weren't for that person or if it weren't for this situation, then things would be really, really good right now. And we, he says, Malchus, let's get Malchus. Let's string up Malchus. Because he's the problem. It's not about me not trusting Jesus. It's about Malchus. And we make Malchuses out of people. And old Malchus' is ear, he loses an ear. But this is one of the most interesting miracles in the Bible because it says that Jesus came down and it says that he reached down and he healed Malchus' ear. The guy Peter thought was the enemy. And Jesus just healed him. Uh, that ain't a message. I don't know what is. Now, one of the things we don't really know <laughs> is, did he put the old ear back on <laughs> or did he grow a new ear? We don't know. I mean, he might have he got a backup ear for down the road. He, God might have just grown a new ear out for him when he touched the side of his head. Pew, there it is. Perfect hearing. But God, Jesus healed him. He says, Peter, put your sword away. Let me, let me fix what you've messed up because praise God, he's into the business of restoring us and redeeming us 
in the midst of our mistakes. Let me remind you, Christian, that the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that God will never allow you to be tempted beyond any situation than more than you can endure or bear. And in the temptation, he will make a way of escape for you. He will deliver you through the thing. You see, Peter blew it, man. I mean, he was blowing it. He's cutting Malchus's ear off. If Jesus didn't heal Malchus and make sure Peter could escape in the moment of his temptation where he was falling, Peter would have probably been strung up and killed too. But Jesus, just like the Bible promises us he'll do, he gives a moment of temptation, doesn't allow him to experience anything. He can't endure what God's seen him through. And he makes a way of escape for Peter to get out of that scene. And Peter is able to go on to be fully restored to a place of apostolic ministry and headship in the New Testament church. How powerful is that? You see, God's into the business of restoring all of us. I'm just going to suggest to you that at some point, if you're following Jesus, if you've laid down your net, if you're in this thing all the way, at some point, you may have or will be very tempted to pick up your sword. And I pray that we are strong enough, that we trust enough to keep this thing down. But I also know we serve a God who is into the business of restoring and redeeming us into a place of authority and influence and using us for his good purposes. And so I just want to fast forward to this final scene. We see Peter in the net casting down moment in the beginning. We see Peter in the garden where he drew his sword. And then we fast forward a little while down the road and Jesus has already died on the cross and he's been resurrected. And I want you to see this perfect plan of God to restore Peter. It says that Peter and the guys that, you know, they went back to fishing. They're out in the boat and been fishing all night, hadn't caught anything. And there was a man on the beach and the man was Jesus, resurrected Jesus. And it says he was over there. It says that he had the fire going with the coals and that there was fish and bread on that. Don't you love how Jesus takes care of all the details? I mean, he's got the fire going. He's got the fish and the bread and the, the disciples are out there and, and they can't even catch any fish. They've been out there all night. If, I mean, without God, can we really do anything, right? You know, and they're out there and Jesus says, just throw the net on the other side of the boat and they pull in a big heap and they come in and Jesus, Peter jumps out of the boat, runs to Jesus and they sit down and they have this famous exchange where Jesus asks Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you the first time. And he says, feed my sheep or feed my lambs. Peter says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, I love you. He says, tend my sheep or shepherd my sheep. And then the third time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, Lord, he's hurting. He's like, well, he keeps asking me this. He's like, yes, Lord, I love you. And you, you know, Lord, what's in my heart. And he says, Peter, uh, feed my sheep. And so there's this powerful imagery this powerful message of peter has denied christ three times that's follow through folks three times insinuates follow through like i mean he he, he didn't just think about it and, and slip up like he, he he followed through in this air and jesus asks him three times do you love me and peter says yes lord i love you 
And at the end of this exchange, he says these two words, which he said in the very beginning of when he called Peter. He said, follow me. Follow me. And in the exchange, he calls Peter into an apostolic office of leading and feeding the church. Peter in his mess, in his error, because he loves Jesus so much and he's willing to follow Jesus and he's willing to keep going, Jesus says, Peter, I'm going to restore you back to where you were. You know, I think the Lord saw this all happening ahead of time because one of the things that we see when the two women went to the grave of Jesus where the body was and the stone was rolled away and Jesus' body was gone, there was an angel there and the angel said to the two women, he said, run and go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm alive. The disciples and Peter. I think he knew how heartbroken Peter was. I think he knew how much remorse that Peter was feeling. And he was saying, it's okay, Peter. I know you messed up, but Peter, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to put you back into a place of anointing and calling because I love you, Peter. And if you'll just follow me, you'll see all the great things come to pass that I have planned for you. Folks, you can't mess up so bad that God isn't able to redeem and restore you on the path that he has for you. You may pick up plan B. You may get a little tired. It may be too much pressure for you at times. It may be walls caving in and you may be looking around trying to figure out what you're going to do with this sword to take action in this situation. But if you'll just recognize that really you can't do anything with this sword, that you got to just trust Jesus and allow him to lead you and guide you, then he will continue to restore us and use us mightily in the things that he's called us to. Amen? Amen. And so I want to ask you this today as I close. I want to address you in, in one of two situations. The first one is, have you laid down your net? Have you laid down your net? I mean, have you really made the decision that you're going to let go of your life? That you're going to give up control? That you're going to surrender to Jesus, make him Lord, and trust him entirely. And if not, I think the clear implication is that we have to let go of that net. We have to lose our life if we're going to try, if we're going to expect to gain what God has planned for us. But maybe we've laid down our net. Maybe we're like Peter and we let go of that thing and we jumped into the call and we've been responding to Jesus and following him. But you know, there's moments in everybody's life, every person's walk, uh, where it's going to get hard. It's going to get tough. It's going to be difficult. We're never going to understand all the details of what's going on. There are going to be moments where we really got to trust God knows what he's doing and he's up to. And so that second question I would ask you is, is somewhere along the line, maybe, perhaps, possibly, have you picked up a sword? Are you trying to do this thing in your own strength? 
Are you trying to call the shots and taking responsibility for outcomes that you shouldn't take responsibility for? Putting the weight of that on your own shoulders and wielding a sword to try to clear your own path. I just remind you that when you use that sword, you're only going to harm others and quite likely harm yourself. Put it down. Put it down and keep it out of your hands. Travel light. Travel free. Let the Lord lead and guide. Trust Him. He knows what He's doing. He's got it all under control. And when we reflect on that truth, we too experience that peace of God that surpasses any natural understanding. Peace that we should walk in every day. Let's stand to our feet, please, today. Hmm. Oh, beautiful, beautiful Jesus. We love you so much. Oh, we love you so much, God. I thank you that you are always about the business of restoring and redeeming your children. I pray that you would just speak to every person here today. I believe that we can all relate to Peter, Lord in different ways but all of us there's parts of this story that that we can relate to ourselves help us to see what you're trying to show us today help us to keep our hands free travel light and trust you every step of the way as we go into 2019 Lord all of our plans all of our goals and all of our objectives they don't mean anything if we're not following you they don't mean anything, Lord. Lest the Lord builds the house and those who labor, labor in vain. Hallelujah. God, help us to just examine our, our own life. Sift us, Lord. Just examine us and help us to see where we're at in this thing. Are we really following you? Are we really free of things in our hands, God, and trusting you? And if not, help us to see that now before we move forward into a new year that you have plans of vision and purpose and destiny prepared for us. Wonderful steps that we would walk in that we will miss and never see if we got our rudder set in the wrong direction in the first place. We thank you for your revelation, for your word, Lord and your voice that speaks to us by your Holy Spirit every day if we will listen. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Amen.